Blog Talk Radio. And welcome back, folks. This is Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio with Rosita and Robert. We had a little bit of audio uh, junk going on, audio issues. So we are back on track right now. Um, all this time we've been streaming live on Facebook Live. It's just that the Blog Talk Radio audio went kerfunk and went all belly up and stuff. But we are back. So let us get my co-host back on the line here. Let me go ahead and dive him in. Robert Gale will be joining us in just a second, and we will be calling Sifu Jerry Lem, who was our guest before. You've reached Bob Deal at 818-457-2411. I'm not Why? available right now, so please, at the tone, leave your name, number, and a brief message, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Answer your freaking phone. <laughs> All right, but we do have we do have Sifu Sifu Jerry Lim with us back again. Hello again. Thank you for joining us again. <laughs> oh my goodness, can you can you believe that? That's that's weird that my audio went for flunk. Can you hear me okay, Sifu Lim? Uh, kind of garbled, but I can make out most of it. Yeah, you know it's kind of funny. Like with Blog Talk Radio, it gives me about ten minutes of me sounding like I'm underwater. And then it clears up. Uh, I think that's what is coming across on my end right now. I can I can make out uh, every third or fourth word or so. Oh, that's too bad. Because you know some people were actually just listening to the to the uh, Facebook feed because the sound quality is better. I don't I don't understand why. But um, let's go ahead and bring let's go ahead and bring uh, Bob back on here real quick. I just dialed him. Oh, okay. He went on. Uh, he went on voicemail. <clears throat> You've reached Bob Deal at eight one eight four five seven two four one one. I'm not available. Bob, I'm texting you right now. Answer your freaking phone. <laughs> Let me text him. <laughs> I wonder if he actually, if he actually hung up. You've reached Bob Deal at eight one eight four five seven two four one one. I'm not available right now, so please, at the tone, leave your name, number, and a brief message, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Answer your freaking phone, man. (laughs) Answer your phone, Bob. Answer the phone. Answer the phone. (laughs) All right. Now, if you're calling, you're you're last on the list, because I am getting Sifu Lim back on the line, so just hold on, folks. If you're calling, and I hate to sound so rude there, but our guest, our guest, and my co-hosts are priority. Um, let's see here. Okay, let's call Sifu Lim back. And if you call, please press one to be connected. Press one to be connected. We really would appreciate questions in regards to kung fu and Choi Mei Fat. Not available now. Please leave your name and phone number after the beep. We will return your call. <laughs> Why is nobody answering the phone? I don't, I don't 
Bob call me. Let me try that. Um, Bob, You've reached Bob Deal at 818-457-2411. I'm not available. Sure. <laughs> Let's call Steve Lim again. Are not available now. Please leave your name. Oh. Oops. Did I? <laughs> I think I think I hung up on him again. Let me try this again. <laughs> I forgot that like um, answering machines, you can actually uh, screen your calls. Oh, that only happened in the Hi, Sifu. Can you hear me now? Okay. <laughs> now I can hear you. That is so weird. It's like your your call dropped and I couldn't get I couldn't I kept dialing back and I couldn't uh, I couldn't like get you back for some reason. I kept going to voicemail for some reason. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's weird. All right, we're going to bring uh Sifu Bob back. We're gonna go ahead and dial him in. Um and see if he's going to answer his phone, because his phone is going to voicemail, too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand why. But oh, let's dial him in here. You've reached Bob Deal at 818-457-2411. Okay, I'm going to text him one more time. <laughs> answer the phone. <laughs> All right. Well, let's do let's do this. Let's go ahead and uh, if anyone out there is um, okay. First off, um, I've got some callers on my caller board. If you want to speak live with Master Jerry Lem, just press one on your keypad now, and you'll be connected right to him, and you get to speak with us live. Um, if you've got any questions in regards to kung fu, toilet fight, and what have you, that would be um, that would be great. Um, so until we get Bob back, I do have a question. I kind of want to back up um, about 20 minutes uh, 20 minutes ago when uh, we were briefly talking about. Okay, um, it comes. You know, it's a recipe uh, that can. That there are some variations to. Uh, some some are geared with herbs that are designed primarily to reduce inflammation. Uh, okay. Some of them are, are, cha- are all, uh, they've changed the formulation where it's designed to uh, improve circulation. Um, and there's also some that are specifically for, as, as an analgesic, basically as a pain reliever. Um, so, the, you know, the formulations will change. And uh, I think every, every instructor who knows how to make the compound uh, make various forms of it. Uh, to suit each individual need, students will say, you know, I don't mind the aesthetic smell, but, you know, I'm more concerned about potential scarring if I'm punching a sandbag or punching a lot. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to have, you know, 
swollen knuckles and things like that. Right. Other people are more concerned if they say, hey, I don't care about that, but, you know, I may have uh, some medical condition that I'm concerned about potential uh, clotting and strokes. So they'll, you know, they'll put more of an uh, anti-clotting uh, type of agent in there. Uh, mm-hmm. Typically, it's in an alcohol base so that it's, it passes through the fat tissues of the skin uh, so it gets absorbed systemically a little faster. Uh, mm-hmm. People will change the alcohol content, too, to uh, alleviate some of the smell or change the absorption rate somewhat, too. Um, you know, uh, a lot of different herbs for that. Uh, what it boils down to, essentially, is that a lot of the herbs will contain uh, turmeric, uh, which is a natural anti-inflammatory that people can you know, just received a lot of uh, uh, publicity now that people are looking for for something to alleviate arthritis pain, and they're looking for more natural compounds and things like that. Uh, Some of the the old formulations do contain mild aspirin content uh, directly, so that acts uh, anti-inflammatory and also for pain relief as well. Uh, So as I mentioned earlier, yeah, there's a, a... a true, truly scientific base for a lot of the the recipes and stuff too. So, um, you know, it, it, does the formulas do, do the formulas work? In short, the answer probably is yes. In most cases, they do. They will prevent a lot of clotting. Uh, they will prevent a lot of uh, callus buildup and things like that on on the hands as people you know uh, train uh, either punching like a makiwara board or punching, you know, sand bags and, or, or sticking their hands in, in rice and beans and pebbles and that type of thing. So uh, it's a conditioner more than anything else, and it alleviates a lot of discomfort during the course of training. You know, you, uh, you don't want to injure yourself, obviously. The whole, pur- whole purpose is to improve your health and not damage your health. So uh, right. it makes sense that there there's... Uh, remedies and, and, and compounds out there to assist you as you go through your journey in martial arts and toughen the hands and things like that. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. Now, like in, uh, in, on the internet and in some magazines um, in the past, I'd seen um, like so many different, I guess, formulas and different types. Like you've got like your, your tendon lotion, you've got your, your bruise liniment, you've got your, um, like, uh, I don't know, your, your sinew conditioner and, and all this other kind of stuff. And, you know, there, there'd be different herbs in each one. And it, is it, is it safe to say that each individual formula is for a specific aspect of training? Like, can, you know, is it gonna, is it gonna do me no good if I use like the same dita gel that I would use for hitting, uh, the the rock bag or the bean bag or the sand bag, you know, um, if I use that, did that Joe, if I'm sparring, you know, is it going to kill me? Yeah. yeah. No good. (laughs) That's exactly right. Rusty. Uh, There are, you know, there's as many form, let me put it this way. There are as many formulations as there are needs for it. Uh, It can be fine tuned per se, you know, Um, and, uh, Instructors who are who are well versed in that, uh, you know, they they literally can uh, talk to you about, you know, what is it that you really want to do, and 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 they can come up with a formulation almost custom made uh, for you. Um, and you know, 
again, you know, in all fairness, you know, uh, my dad was probably, uh, he probably wasn't necessarily uh, a master at making various formulations. I, I do recall him making at least two. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and unfortunately, that's not a skill or an art that, that he passed to me. Uh, I was curious just about the anti-inflammatory one more thing else because, you know, when we were punching sandbags and stuff at home, uh, it was my mother more than anything else back then saying, you know, don't mess up his hands. You know, you know, <laughs> you know so my dad, my dad had to literally say, don't worry, don't worry, mom. You know, I'll take care of, I'll take care of the boys. You know, so, um, <laughs> so I was more curious about how it worked. And as again, you know, I didn't even realize what it was until I actually got into pharmacy school when I started looking at this stuff and saying, you know, Somebody should do a chemical analysis of one of these one of these formulations and actually find out what what is in there. Uh, you know, for myself, even now, you know, I I follow the I follow only one recipe that he showed me, and you know, I have to admit that I'm not as good a cook as he is because it doesn't smell exactly the same, but it seems to do the job. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey, do we have uh, Bob? Are you back with us? Yeah, I'm going to have to switch phones. My phone started updating its software, and I couldn't do anything. Oh. I'm going to ask Bree to hang up, and I'm going to call back on my phone. It just finished, just now. Oh, okay. Well, it's going to have to restart, though, after it um, after it updates. Oh, it's already done. It's already complete. Oh, okay. All right. I'm going to restart when you see my number, answer it. Okay. All right. Thanks. Mm-hmm. That's interesting, you know the the whole thing about like uh, you know Chinese medicinal herbs and um, you know naturopathic uh, approaches has always been very intriguing to me. And uh, you know when I began to use, uh, I went through a phase where I was hitting the rock bag and the pebble bag and the mung bean bag and stuff like that, and um, and was using ditat gel for a while. Um, and we, you know, I still keep some on hand for when, when my guys get bruises, when we spar and stuff like that. And I've, but, you know, I've always been intrigued by, by how, how science now is now uh-huh. beginning, to, how science now is now beginning to, I guess, confirm a lot of the, the a lot of this type of medicine that uh, was prevalent in China and Japan and the Philippines and in Thailand and stuff like that. And it's, it's just so cool to to see that. <laughs> yeah, I think you know, the, for for people who who studied martial arts in the East, uh, they're they're they were acclimated to the to to the use of these natural remedies and herbal right. herbal concoctions and stuff. Uh, it doesn't always jive with Western medicine, I think, and there, there was always this degree of skepticism involved too. Yeah. And you know, and even later, uh, you know, for myself, you know, um, you know, my my brother is a, is a physician, and you know, he would question, you know, the efficacy of uh, acupuncture and acupressure. Oh. Um, and my dad, coming from the old country, was saying, you know, how can you argue with 3,000 years of Chinese history? You know, they say it works, and, you know, and 3,000 years of history can't be wrong. And then my, right. brother would counter, my brother would counter with the, 
well, for 3,000 years, people thought the world was flat, too, you know. And, you know so, <laughs> so uh, at the end, I guess everybody comes to a happy medium where they say there's probably looking at, like, acupuncture and the whole philosophy and the strategies behind it, there probably is some basis of fact there, too. But where exactly do we meet in the middle? I guess that's the part that everybody kind of questions. Mm-hmm. So that's understandable. That, you know, um, I guess, as you said, too, you know, I guess the science has to progress even further for everybody right. to be, uh, you know, really acceptable, accepting of, you know, a lot of the traditional Chinese medicine uh, therapies. Mm-hmm. Right on. Where are you, Bob? Are you outside? No, actually, I'm driving my daughter back to UCLA. Oh, 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 oh! Right on, right on. Cool. Do you have any? Uh, do you have any questions on your end? Because I know we had gone through like 15 minutes of me cussing at my computer. <laughs> uh, did, did we? Oh, usually it's cussing at me. Okay, so that's a good thing. Uh, did we go over? Did we go over the finer points of uh, Chorley Foot in compared to? To, you know, I want to know where it comes from. Uh, long fist, short fist. Uh, does it have a lot of forms to it? Uh, well, tell us more about the art itself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Uh, Foot uh, is a southern Chinese style. Well known for uh, uh, for yeah. long range circular strikes and blocks. Uh, relatively speaking, uh, not a very high-kicking type style. Um, now, in the Charlie ter- Foot system, uh, you're going to have some major divisions, and they play a part in determining what the style looks like. Uh, the style was originally founded back in the early 1800s by a gentleman named Chen Helm. Um, Ultimately, the style was significantly upgraded and modernized by one of his disciples by the name of uh, Zheng Yim. And Zheng Yim, his offshoot of Charlie Foot, he called Hong Sing. There's primarily now, uh, over the years, you know, there's been various subforms and whatnot of Charlie Foot. And, you know, the style is. Funny enough, the style is flexible enough and adaptable enough that you know, people can put their own stamp onto it, and it's still, you look at it, and you can recognize bits and parts of it, and you say, yeah, this is all branching from the same tree. Uh, but then every instructor pretty much has uh, wherewithal to modify and adapt. Now, uh, you know, Right now, the most popular, one of the more popular forms of it comes from the original found from the Chan family style of, of Charlie Foot. Uh-huh. Uh, but there's also, there's also the Hong Sing style, uh-huh. uh, which is popular, which is popular in Southeast Asia and Malaysia. Um, mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, then there's a, a northern variant or a, 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 part, a variant of Charlie Foot that incorporates some of northern Shaolin and some uh, white crane into it, and they, and that's that family is called the Boxing Charlie Foot. Boxing oh. in Chinese word for northern. So uh, there, 
there are the three main families, the, the Chan family style, the boxing style, and the hosing style of trolley foot. Uh, some of the basic strikes and blocks are the same, but okay, how they're put together are different. Yeah, that was my question, if there was, like, any similarities within, like, not only the basics, but also the forms and and stuff like that. The forms are a little bit the forms are a little bit different and you know the Chan family and the Hong Sing style uh, the the forms are pretty close. They they always go through the same regimen. Uh there's a basic uh five wheel it's called the five wheel horse stance which everybody starts off with. Then they go with the five uh, five wheel punching form. Uh so mm-hmm. those are like the basic letters of the alphabet so to speak. But then mm. the style of how you put them together to form sentences, are, that's what's going to make it different. Ah. Now, now my dad, his legacy and his contribution to Trelliford is um, a little bit different as well. Um, my dad didn't necessarily like to teach forms. Um, mm-hmm. When he learned it in China, uh, he learned it in a small, it's, not a very big temple. It was a, like a regional Buddhist temple around four or five miles from his where he was born. Mm. Uh, and the instructor there, the monk who taught him, uh, his name was Lim Sayut, and he was a relatively young guy as a monk. And at the time, this is uh, you know he was telling my he taught my dad and some of the neighborhood kids. Um, you know, this is self-defense, you know, um, don't focus on the forms, focus mm. on the application and use. So, mm. and that stayed with my dad all through his life, I guess, because when he started teaching and he taught us, you know, he's, you know, we skipped a lot of forms because he said, you don't fight with forms. You don't defend yourself with forms. His focus was primarily on application and, uh-huh. You know, he dispensed with a lot of forms, and he taught us some. He taught, you know, he taught us, he, us in the forms of sequences or short bursts. And he said, you know, uh, this form has 108 moves, 110 moves. Nobody, if you ever have to defend yourself, you're never going to get through 108 moves. Pick up <laughs> five or six, you know. And someone recently told me, when I explained this to someone else before, they, they told me that, oh, that approach is very similar to, like, Krav Maga, you know, real short bursts. You don't learn a lot of forms. You just learn applications, you know. And I go, okay, yeah, that sounds like that, what, that same approach. So when my dad was teaching, uh, we actually had a delegation of Charlie Foot uh, people come in from Hong Kong one time to visit us. And they watched how we ran the class. They watched how my dad taught. And, he's, and they kept waiting to see him or the class to do the traditional forms. And we never got there. We never did that. And oh. they, came up to him, yeah, they came up to him afterwards and said, you know, you're kind of like, you know, out of, you know, operating out of the box. You're a little bit of like a renegade here where you're not teaching the style the way, you know, following the same protocol, the same agenda that everybody does. And my dad wow. goes, well, this is what I think people want, and this is what I think people need, because the the reason why people learn here is different than it was in China. There's no exactly. time to learn forms in several different forms. People need to defend themselves quickly, and they need to right. learn something effective. And that's why I do it this way. 
So he always mm-hmm. saw himself as somewhat of an outcast from the mainstream. And if, you know, the legacy that my dad left with some of the people who still teach kind of like the same things that they learned from him, uh, they'll, you know, they'll tell you the same thing. Hey, it's nice to know forms, but Sifu, you know, Sifu Lem focuses primarily on application, application mm-hmm. and being able to adapt the style to defend yourself against other styles, that type mm-hmm. of approach. So, uh, yeah, when people say, yeah, it's um, for this long-range, you know, big swooping, uh, you know, roundhouse-type punching, roundhouse-type uh, kicking, uh, yeah, that's general definition of Trelefo. Uh The way my dad taught it, it was like, uh, yes, we do things with circular motions, but what changes is the range. Uh, we can do it shorter, too. We can make it, you know, a smaller circle, and it'll be just as effective, or or it's more adaptable to what the opponent throws at you. So, mm-hmm. and I think you know that's you know if anything, that's the legacy my dad left as a, one of the pioneers of trying to foot down here is that he took a different approach to everybody else. You know, um, you know the classic thing where you know if you're a beginning student, we're gonna make you stand in a square horse there for like two hours on end, right? Yeah, my dad would go. Yeah, my dad would say, "Wait a minute. What, what's the point of having you stand there for two hours? I can have you do it five minutes, but if you do it every day, at some point, it'll be the equivalent of standing there for two hours. Right. You know, why waste the time? Yeah. So he, he flip flops them. Applications. Yeah, when you could be learning applications while you're sitting there for two hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. I'm going to bring up uh, Bob's mic again. I had to. I had to uh, mute your mic there for a little bit because you were uh, to the road oh. noise was a little wonky. But... I, I muted it. Too. I muted it too. Oh. Because <laughs> I thought there was maybe a lot of ambient noise behind yeah. it. Now we we know it's a long distance, and we know you use circular motion, and we know according to what you just said, you can bring it into close range. Is there any other elements that maybe your father had adapted, maybe trapping elements, maybe some animal elements, that sort of thing along the way? Uh, uh, yes and no. Um, my dad had always stressed um, to us um, the way he's teaching it, it's defense. Uh, we, it's a mindset of uh, block and counterattack. Uh, you know, we there are very, very few instances where my dad would to teach us something where he said, okay, this is how you attack a certain defense. This is how you attack, you know, if someone comes at you with this. You know, he, he, he was known to tell everybody, you know, I don't teach self-offense. I teach you self-defense. Let the other guy attack you first. Then you can stop it, counter, eliminate the threat, get out of there, you know. So it was a very tactical-based type of thing. You know, yes, we did have some grabbing and, and grappling, um, but his, his other side of the coin was, here, this is some of the how you break and this is how you escape from some of the more common things. The whole point is that you never let, try never let anybody get that close to take you out that, or take you down that fast. The idea is that spacing, movement, uh, counterattacking before they, you know, interdiction or anything else stop their ability to attack you and then they then you so you win the fight mm-hmm. and his whole point 
yeah, his whole point was, you know, I'm training all this in the hopes that you don't, not that you will win the fight. Hopefully, you don't get hurt as bad. You, know? you don't want to find out how bad you are. It's not like to find out how good you are. You don't, want, you don't ever find out how bad you are because right. everybody. Yeah, and he would say he, he loved Westerns, watching TV and watching Westerns, and he would say, if you start thinking that you can beat everybody, there's always going to be the one person that's going to kick your butt. Yeah. And you'll never know who that person is. Right. So he said, hey, lay low. Right. You know, that's, that's funny you bring that up, Jerry, because years and years ago, uh, Kirk Douglas was on a talk show and he told this story where, you know, Kirk Douglas always played a tough guy, always beating people up. He walked into a bar and he was getting eyed by everybody. And he stands up and says, I'm paraphrasing, he says, everybody in this bar can beat me and sat back down. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because it was a it was a perception thing. Everybody thought he was this tough guy. They wanted to take him out. Right. Right. That's hilarious. <laughs> Actually, what he did say was anybody in this bar could lick me, but that that has a completely different meaning nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember a time when, when when somebody came to visit our school and they wanted to find out a little bit about my dad and, you know, just what is it he taught in Charlie Foot that made him different. And they actually asked him, uh, Sifu Lem, what do you pattern your fighting style after? What kind of animal? And my dad looked at him and said, animal? I don't fight like an animal. I fight like a human being. I think. I strategize. And then I execute. You know, that's why man is king of the beast. <laughs> oh my God. He goes, why would I want to fight like an animal? I want to fight like an intelligent human being. <laughs> well, you know, there's, so, there's, there's always those people that are so, like, uh, enamored by the mystical, magical, you know, phoenix this and that. And, you know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's how you know that's how our our the way my dad teaches Charlie Foot taught Charlie Foot was different. It was more tactical. It's more physical because he emphasized a lot of uh, power and strength and execution, explosiveness, and he you know he really didn't like teaching forms. You know, and I I asked him one time, hey, how come other seafoods and Charlie Foot teach? This form, the the plum blossom set, the this set, this set, and he would go, you know, well, you know, they, the style is broad enough and open enough and innovative enough that people can focus on whatever they like about it and still be good at it. My emphasis is on teaching you self-defense, be able to take care of yourself. Hopefully, you don't get hurt, and if you do get hit, you can take the hit better than if you had not trained with me. <laughs> I go, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes right, sense. Right, because do you know, Jerry, how many times Rusty and I have had an argument with people about the validity of forms in martial arts? Right. right. Yeah, now, so for Charlie Foot, uh, yeah, so a lot of times it's just, it's just like a dictionary or an encyclopedia that you draw from. Exactly. Yeah. 
exactly. that, that's all it right. Yeah. That's all it should be. Yeah, that's my thoughts exactly. Now, gr- growing up and training with your dad and other students, because I know how it is, were, 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 was he a little bit harder on you or wanted to see you better uh, or be more progressive with you as you were growing up? That was uh, yeah, he was. <laughs> he was. Uh, you know, that's, you know, I, I don't know if that's overcoaching by your parents. <laughs> you know, I don't know if he was a softball dad but in, in Kung Fu, but – uh, yeah, uh, if everybody did 20 reps, 30 reps, you do five more, you do 10 more. Um, he made it easier also for me too as well, because he, he said the bottom line is, you know, you know, you're representing me because you're, you're leading the groups, you know, I would lead the beginning and the intermediate classes and he would do the advanced classes and, you know, that type of thing. And he would say, for yourself, you don't really have to remember everything I teach. He said, because, and I guess this was the logic, because if people, if they, you know, he's still thinking he's living in the Old West, kind of like he said, if, every, if anybody ever decide to come at me or get me, they may come through you. They may get you. And if right. they do, you have to be able to handle yourself. I said, okay, I understand that. And he said, you know, you don't have to remember everything I teach you. Just pick out a few things that you really like and you do those every day, every time, so that you don't have to think about, oh, what should I do? Oh, right. I'm in a situation I have to defend myself. Boom. You just rely on those 10, 20, whatever techniques you pick out becomes reflexive and said, yeah, just bank on those. So, yeah, over the course of time, you know, from the time I started back then to even now, do I remember every form, every move? No, I don't think so. But at the same token, uh, he handpicked a few techniques for me, and he said, these fit you because of your height, your weight, your power, your, sp- your strength, your explosiveness, your acceleration. I mean, it's like looking at football, you know, as football players. You can be quick or you can be fast. Fortunately, right. some, a lot of people are both. So he said, right. you know, you have quickness. You know, use that to your advantage. You know, and he wouldn't even talk about it in class sometimes because he would reserve that say, okay, this is for you, you know. So, yeah, there was some extra pressure there because I have to perform and I have to be able to execute. And, right. you know, being a dad... You know, whenever we got into some sparring competitions where the, you know, the sparring intensity got a little hot and heavy with people, uh, he would be a little concerned for me because he would say, hey, you know, they're going to gun for you. They're literally gunning for you because you're my son, and they can't show me up. They may try to show you up, you know, that type of thing. So, right. Yeah. Now, yeah. now Jerry, we, a lot of ours go through a renaissance period. Uh, do you – have you – gone through that renaissance period with your own art or have you kept it as pure as possible of what your father taught you I tried to keep it as close as I can to how he taught me um, kind of like the bit job jow thing you know hey you know, you know if, it, if it worked then it must work now you know if it ain't broke don't fix it right, um, right. so yeah you know uh, I've tried to do it as close as possible Fortunately, I do have, you know, some video and some old Super 8 films of him doing stuff. 
he wrote down he wrote down a lot of stuff in some notebooks that I've kept. Um, you know, and that kind of keeps me on track, so to speak. I don't mm-hmm. try to add a whole lot more in there because you know I haven't seen anything that I really feel that I had to add in there. Um, you know, and you know, people have come to me and say, you know, you know, you've been out of of out of actively teaching you know, for for quite some time. And, uh, you know, and to a certain extent that's true, but on the other side, you know, they're not here at my home watching me work out and that type of thing, so I'm not going to dispel any, you know, notions that, you know, uh, they can get the better of me. At the same token, I think I can still handle myself halfway decently. So, you know, and to that extent, yeah, I try to keep it as clean as possible, um, you know, follow follow his notes, um, look at the videos, you know, and then, you know, go from there, you know, in terms of just keeping it up more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Right on. Yeah. Great. Um, you know, it, it's a point where I don't claim to know everything. I don't mm-hmm. claim to know everything about toilet food either. I learned it from my dad. This is, and that's all I'm saying. This is what I know. This is what was taught me. I'm not saying anything more, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that's why I, you know, when you know when I hang out at the museum, right? Michael and I are, t- are chatting sometimes, and sometimes he makes the the comment, "Oh, this is, um, you know, Grandmaster Lamb. This is Master Lamb." You know, no, 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 you know, uh, don't, don't, don't call me that. You know, I'm not a, I'm hardly a master of anything. Uh, I don't mind being called Sifu. That's a teacher. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's how I see myself. Hey, if I know two moves and you know one, I can teach you the mm-hmm. extra move. And that's a, that's a sign of, of respect for you as the student. And then it's an honest assessment of what I am. You know, when people mm-hmm. say, well, this is Master Lim. No, no, that's my dad. That's not me. You know, uh, mm-hmm. just call me, you know, what should I call you? Just call me Jerry. You know, <laughs> you know right. well, I, I need to. I want to show respect. Okay, then call me Sifu. I mean, that's a teacher, and that's how I see myself. You know, I I, I don't I make no claims as um, you know I'm the best at this, and I, I'm I'm a master of all these different weapons. And uh, hey, I know what I know. I know what I don't know, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm good with that. You know. Very cool. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> Well, we've got um, only about two minutes left to broadcast. Um, so, if anyone has any questions for Jen Lem, go ahead and give us a call 347 677 Oops, over there. <laughs> I'm trying to put at my, uh, at my number on my screen here, and I keep pointing at the wrong place. Go over there. 347, <laughs> anything whatsoever. Um, I have a question. Um, in terms of martial art weapons, it doesn't have to be, or fighting weapons, I should say, it doesn't have to be foo or anything like that. Do you have any any favorites at all? Uh, surprisingly, you know, Charlie Foot is known. You know, I'm not. You know, I, mean, I can't speak on other instructors, but in general, my understanding is that Charlie Foot's best weapons are butterfly knives, mm-hmm. uh, butterfly knife with bamboo shield. The mm-hmm. long staff. Um, mm-hmm. We do have a spear form, okay. Um, but my dad, you know, he actually 
was also familiar with the um, the the small bench. Oh yeah, people, yeah, yeah, and you know that's very that's really popular, um, you know, um, and then surprisingly enough, the, we do have a short staff uh, form, uh, very similar to you know the Filipino arts. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the trapping and then the, and the takeaways and, and and the rolling blocks and things like that with the short staff form, and mm-hmm. my dad said on that one, uh, he said not very many people know about this that Charlie Foot has this weapon or we can utilize this weapon. We're known primarily again for the longer weapons and for the butterfly knives, but he uh-huh. said uh, he learned it because his instructor, the, the monk uh, Lim Sayut. Um, he had one of those long smoking cane, uh, smoking pipes that was around four oh. and a half feet long. Yeah. So he used that as a short staff, you know. And I go, hey, that's kind of different. And he goes, yeah, you know, let me show you the form. So, you know, we have a short staff, a short uh, stick like that, a little bit longer than a Kali stick maybe or a schema stick, but uh, mm-hmm. used very similarly, you know. Very cool. Now the, the the really cool thing is is this. Now, my dad was telling me about his instructor, his the monk Lim Sayut, right? And I'm mm-hmm. saying I'm asking him all kinds of questions about what things were like in China when he learned from this monk. Mm-hmm. So he would just tell me and describe his childhood home and all this type of stuff and the, and the, what the monastery, the little temple looked like and whatnot. This is all word of mouth, father to son passing down stories. Mm-hmm. So several years ago, when I had the opportunity to go back to China and I went to my dad's village, you know, I asked the tour guide, take me to this temple. And the, 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 the tour dri- uh, driver said, wait a minute, how do you even know this place exists? Only the locals know about this place. And I go, <laughs> my dad came from this area. Take me to this temple. So we went there. And there was a, you know, there was, there's not a whole lot going on there now, obviously, with the, 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 the communist Chinese regime in place. But, you know, there was a, an old groundskeeper there, and he was around 80 years old then. You know? And I, I asked him, uh, I've heard stories that, and this was me speaking to him in Chinese, I go, I hear stories they used to teach Kung Fu at this place many, many years ago around the time of the war. And the guy nodded, and he goes, yeah, that's true. And I said, uh, I understand there was once a monk here by the name of Lim Sayut. And the guy just looked at me, his face was white, and he goes, how do you even know that name? You know, <laughs> How did you even hear about these things? And I go, well, my dad told me. He said, yes, there was this guy. And, he, and the, you know, the stories that my dad told me turned out to be true. Uh, wow. The guy validated them all. You know, and I'm going... I'm not doubting my dad's stories ever again. <laughs> you know, I travel 5,000 miles, and someone says, yes, those stories are true. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. You know, <laughs> you know he's, the, the guy was really surprised. He said, how do you know of this monk? And I go, my dad said he, he, he used to teach Charles here. And the old guy goes, you know, it's true, because I wanted to learn Charles from him. But the class too full and I go and I understand he also had a long smoking pipe and the guy goes oh my goodness how do you know all these personal details and I go these are stories and he says they're all true wow 
How cool is that? You know? Oh, I mean, yeah. You, you travel 5,000 miles and you find out that legends are true. Basically, and you, while you're, like, standing in the middle of history, you know, temple right. and, you know, it, it can't the, get... The, the groundskeeper actually showed me the room. He said, here, let me take you to the back here. And there was this open courtyard that had a covering there, and he said, this is where they used to teach Kung Fu. And I go, yes, this is where my dad learned it. <laughs> wow. How cool is that? Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Right on. Hey, uh, Bob, how you doing over there? Do you have any uh, last questions for Jerry before uh, we go off the air? Yeah, Jerry, are are you still teaching openly or privately, or how are you, how are you uh, transmitting your information? Uh, I do it privately. There, I have a small group of friends that come over uh, on a regular basis, and yeah, we do the backyard thing. <laughs> Hey, that's how I learned it. That's how I'm going to pass it. There you go. There's nothing exactly. wrong with that kind of thing. Nothing no, wrong not with at all. Especially in California where you can do that all the time. You know, it's <laughs> funny. When, when we met at the telethon, anytime we needed something, Rusty, you can verify this. Jerry was always there. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You were always there. And it was like, wow, how cool is that? Yeah. Hey, I next know, time was... you're down to play Rusty, would you do some again? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Cause I'll be down there in May. I'll be down there in May. And Bob, I'm actually thinking of coming back in July for my birthday again to hang out. Are you serious, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had so much fun <laughs> last time, and I'm at, so I'm actually thinking of uh, kind of making it a semi-regular thing to come down for my birthday and hang out with everybody. <laughs> yeah, she came down last year for her birthday, Jerry. We we all, uh, what was it, like 25 of us? Went, and, <laughs> and we, sto- we stormed Benny Hanna's. <laughs> <laughs> well, we need to storm a dim sum place. We need to get like 25 people. <laughs> and so right? Place, well, right? Well, see, that, it was in conjunction last year with... Uh, uh, Dragon Fest. So everybody that we brought with us was there. Yeah. Ah, okay. Sounds yeah, like a plan. Yeah, but definitely, yeah. Let's all get together, like in sometime in May or July or I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> when am I going August. down with you? May. Probably August. July. August for Dragon Fest. Um, and. Yeah, and yeah, <laughs> so we'll, we'll have to all get together one of these days, definitely. Sounds definitely. like a plan. Sounds like De- a plan. Right on. Well, thank you so much, Jerry, for joining us yeah, today. Yeah, thank you, Jerry. Yeah. Having you, well, having thank you, you on. Thank you, thank you for having me, guys. It's, it's great trying, chatting with fun. talk stories. Yeah, lots of fun. Very cool. And uh, hopefully we can have you on again uh, for like a part two to tell us more stories that your dad taught, uh, told you. <laughs> I think it would be fun. Oh <laughs> yeah. Well, Definitely. you you'd be surprised you'd be surprised at how many stories that he had because you know, when he started teaching, there are a lot of contemporaries that, that back then that are uh, you know they were adventures and stories of themselves. You know, lots of good ones. Awesome. Yeah, that would that would be very cool. cool to have you on to to tell us more stories. 
All right. Well, this is Rosita and Bob and Jerry Lim, our special guests, and we are signing off. We'll see everyone next Sunday. Next Bye, week. everybody. Next week. Bye-bye. See you in the next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.